What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang. And well, this week we're joined by a special guest. Uh, you may have seen him out on the court this year for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, former. Actually, you guys are kind of like Marines. You're never former North Carolina Tar Heels, right? You're, all, you're, you're, you're a forever Tar Heel this year? Yeah, you're just a Tar Heel. <laughs> that, of course, is Portland forward and rookie draft pick, Nasir Little. Nasir, thanks for joining us, man. Uh, first of all, it's good to see you. The hair is getting longer again. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Are we growing it back out again? Uh, yeah, I'm going to grow it out. I don't okay. Know. I'm going to get as crazy as it was, but I'm, I'm going to definitely let it uh, get some length. Get a little, little character to it. I like it. Uh, real quick, I always like to do like a little bit of an icebreaker to start things out. So this one's real simple. If you could be a professional in any other thing, not even sport, in anything, what would it be? I just asked my girlfriend this question last night. That's no, no, no kidding. That's crazy. Uh, I, I said a, a singer. Okay. Either a singer or like a mathematician that can make like, you know, like a different version of Tesla's and stuff like that. That's what okay. Yeah. Like, you know, what's funny about that is like when you're talking about music or math, they both kind of work in similar manners. Yeah, like, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit of pattern management and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, uh, you should sing her. Like, you got any musical talent? You play any instruments or anything? Or I got some. I got. I don't know if you can see oh, it. A little I electric got, drum pad. I got a little something back here. Oh, and we got the keys. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I can dig it. I play the piano. Be play the drums a little bit for fun. Used to play the sax, stuff like that. Okay, we're three for three now because I played the drums, the piano, the sax, and obviously the guitar behind me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. We can get a little, little jam band going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could dig it. Okay. So, Nasir Little, the musician and singer uh, and professional basketball player, uh, the, we put this out uh, that you're coming on the show because I wanted to get a bunch of questions because obviously it's, it's been hard to, to kind of get a hold of guys because of COVID 19, because of the coronavirus, because of the protests and everything that's going on in this world today. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk some basketball, but we're going to talk about the coronavirus. We're going to talk about the protests and Black Lives Matter and, and the, the campaign behind that that obviously you've been a part of along with your teammates. Uh, and then we'll wrap it back up again with some more basketball development talk, kind of have a, a little sandwich here of basketball and then real life stuff and then basketball again. So we'll get into the development stuff real quick. Um, the first question I've got is from on Twitter at bad boy for life. Have you been able to work out and practice over the break? Now, we had Ant on. Ant said that he was lucky he had a hoop. Uh, Gary said he was struggling a little bit because he didn't have access. Obviously, CJ didn't as well. How about you? you, you have you had access to a hoop at all before, you know, you kind of get back in the building? I bought one. Okay. <laughs> Simply put, I, I just bought one. So when they said y'all can't go to gyms and I was like, bought one. I mean, that's, that's the best investment uh, I think a professional basketball player can make. So – without any hesitation, went online, found the best quality hoop I could get, got it installed within the next few days, got a couple outdoor NBA balls, and I was set. Nice. Now, are you out there with the tape measure, making sure we're tan all the time? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <don't> lie. Because <laughs> we talked to Ant about that, and Ant said he had to check it every now and then because he was dunking a little too hard. Nah, nah, I wasn't dunking. I tried to dunk once and I almost brought the whole thing down. So I never. So no more of that. Okay. So 
Or we got an in the ground hoop, or we got the one that was like the weights on the bottom. It's uh, it's like it has weights in it, but it's like super like professional. It's like top notch. You got gotcha. like a casing with cylinders in it and all that type of stuff. Oh, nice. Yeah. So you you got one before everybody else tried to get one months later. Yeah, it was no, <laughs> it was no question for me. It, as soon as I knew what was going on, it was purchased. Nice. So. Uh, one of the things that we, we've talked about, obviously, with some of the other guys we've had on in the last couple of weeks is uh, Ben Cannon. You guys have been doing workouts, so kind of keeping you guys in shape and that teammate bonding, camaraderie, that competitiveness. What have you done by yourself to kind of keep yourself kind of motivated and in shape and, and, and ready to go? I mean, in regards to motivation, I mean, it's just knowing that some guys are unmotivated in a sense, like knowing that some guys are going to take this time to just chill out which I mean, which is not wrong with that, but you know, kind of let it get away from them a little bit and I'm gonna attack it from a different angle, you know what I'm saying? And just go harder. So I, I actually purchased some gym equipment downstairs. I got treadmill, bike, um, I got like kettlebells, medicine balls, jump ropes, all this. And this is all stuff I didn't have coming into quarantine, but things that I bought, you know, after the fact, just to kind of have something to keep me right. Nice. So you get, you get instead of Gold's Gym, it's this your little gym downstairs. Uh, NL Fitness. <laughs> NL Fitness. There we go. I like it. Man, God, you get a little branding there. That, that kind of rolls off the tongue. <laughs> that, that ain't the first time you said that. I guarantee it. It's not. It's not. <laughs> Boy, that's a terrible name. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It doesn't sound like a gym that's going to go bankrupt. It, like, it, <laughs> it, it works. So. <laughs> So you're, getting, you're keeping your body right, making sure physically you're staying fit. But one thing that everybody always asks me, especially, especially when we're talking about guys in their first, second, third years, development, development, development. Like, right. what are you working on? Everybody always says, I'm working on my dribbling. I'm working on my defense, understanding the game better. With you, the, the comparison I've often made of your game, and it wasn't just because of your build or your hair, was that you, had, you played like Gerald Wallace. And that's a guy here in Portland that, even though he was only here for a short time, was beloved because right. of his energy, because of his uh, – I think a skill that's really underrated in the NBA right now is not only being strong and athletic and physical, but knowing how to use your body. There are plenty of big dudes in the league who don't know how to leverage their strength. Right. That's something I think when you're on the floor, it's something you always have done no matter what. You've leveraged your speed, your ability to change directions, your physicality. You have a level of aggression to you that translates to almost recklessness at times in yeah. a good way. Right. Where you're, you're willing to throw your body on the line. You're willing to bang somebody, give a hard foul. And I think that as you have developed here, the big thing that everybody wants to know because of today's space and pace offense is your three-point shot. Mm -hmm. At North Carolina, you struggled a bit. And then early on here in Portland, you did. And one of the first questions I've got, let me pull this back up because I always forget. Rick Sparber, have you been working on shooting the basketball? Before yeah. we get into this, I'm going to go ahead and, and do a quick screen share here. And if we can get it to pull up again. There we go. All right. Is it actually going to do it? That's always the question. <laughs> there we go. Oh. All right. So we have two clips here for early on in the season uh, here in Portland against the Raptors. And I'm going to go ahead and play this, this first clip. And I want you to kind of walk us through where you were then. And then we'll kind of go through the evolution to where you are now. 
So early in the season, I believe this is November 19th, if I remember right. Where you find yourself offensively is working off ball here. I'm going to go ahead and restart this. I'm just going to let this first one play. And you just kind of give us what you, what you were then. Yeah. So here, I mean, it went in and out. Could have easily went in. But, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean, at this point, it was more of uh, just to not – to not hurt the team, just kind of, you know, go in there, rebound, all that. Like, obviously, as a bat, if I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. But at this point in, at this point in the career, like, it's an, it's an, I'm still trying to adjust to the NBA line at this point, um, especially in a game. I hadn't really played much. This was, like, after the Brooklyn game where I first, like, played, you know, a lot, this was, like, you know, my first game, really. Mm -hmm. So I haven't really gotten shots in the actual game until this moment. So, like, this is – I think, like, if I'm not mistaken, this may be my first NBA I, I, I think it is. Yeah. Because I, I, I went back to try to find some of your earliest threes, and I think this was the – I wanted to get, like, a baseline to start with. And I think this was your, your first three. So, here it's more of, like, I'm shooting it because I'm open, but, like, a whole bunch of stuff is running in my, through my head at this time. I don't have a clear mind. I'm like, just don't airball. Just, <laughs> like – and um, this is real stuff. Like, just don't airball. Yeah. Don't get it stuck in the – don't get it wedged in the basket. Just – if you do miss, just make sure it's a regular miss. Hopefully you make it. Like, and I have all this doubt going through my head at this moment. So, from the technical standpoint, we're going to roll this back just a little bit. There's a lot of things that we talk about with jump shots that I think everybody talks about the release and your feet and all this kind of stuff. But there's, there's certain things that work for certain players. Like the, yeah. two, two of the best shooters in the NBA right now, obviously Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, who's arguably the best shooter of all time, have what are not good, you know, good air quotes, releases technically. But what, what is the textbook? But it's what works for them. And for you, when you first came in, you had, when you catch here, the pass is a little bit high. It's not, 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 not in the pocket, but you have kind of a, a, a slower delayed dip. Right. That's when you catch the ball, that hips drop down, come back up. And one thing I've always noticed with, with your jump shots, we have it kind of froze here. You have always, even unless something has changed, you have always had a very straight up and down kind of trajectory on your jump shot, right? You don't, you don't really jump forward. No. Nah. Okay, so so that has pretty much stayed say the same as I've gone through and watched the tape. But you have a you had a really high flatter release plane when you right. when you first got here. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna let this one roll and we're gonna go to the second one. Same kind of situation, weak ball or weak side pass, straight up and down, kind of a slower dip, and you follow through. I'm gonna pause this one real quick here. Um, this this clip, obviously the, the excuse me, the second clip here um, is probably the most confident I've seen you as a shooter. Uh, it's the game, obviously uh, the first Laker game after Kobe had passed and there's a million things going on in, in, in the NBA world um, here and you get out here on the break. You're, you're running through as that secondary break and the confidence you have here. Oh, this is nuts. You, you got, you got that hand up calling for it real quick. <laughs> yep. Now, Ant does a great job, keeps the dribble alive, kind of Steve Nashes it along the baseline and finds you for the reset here. And the big thing here is that I see, boom, immediately you get that hop step into that dip 
you don't sink quite as far and your release point, your elbow, a little tighter. And yeah, another thing I had to focus on on getting my elbow in. Yeah, in. Because you you were kind of a wider elbow shooter, right? Or here is here it, it keeps it more in line with the basket. Mm -hmm. And that follow through. Now specifically, I want to talk about the the follow through there. Yeah. You were flatter out here with your arm more straight up and down. What did they have you work on, like specifically, to bring that release point down for you so you kind of had a elbow in, not quite 45, but a, 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 a flat, or excuse me, a, a more rounded trajectory on your shot? I mean, it's more about, you know, the rhythm of your shot. So, I mean, if, uh, like, if you're just shooting in one motion, I mean, it allows the ball to kind of have a different trajectory as opposed to, like, trying to shoot on your way down or like having it come off a bit weird. It's just a little bit more fluid. So it allows the ball to come off smoother and come off at a better angle. And the big part of that, at least from, from what I'm, I'm hearing from you on in that regard is you kind of, you, you had a two piece jumper originally, yeah. right? And the whole idea was to kind of break that down into a, one consistent motion. Yeah. And just make it, you know, come off smoother. Cause I mean, honestly, I, I've never really had like a bad shot. Just the consistency of it. Yeah. And, the rhythm of it just wasn't where it needed to be. So it was just a little small tweak. So just kind of getting the repetition of having to come off smoother. And just like for me, like it wasn't even about miss or makes. It was just I wanted to feel good coming off coming off of my hands. Like, And that's when I started to get to a point where every shot or most of the shots were feeling good. I mean, it just at that point, it just came down to repetition. And then over time, you just started to make more and more. Hey, Nas, tell me, are you feeling good right about here? Because that hand's up, got a little bounce. I, I turned around while I was in the air, but I, had a, <laughs> I just didn't want nothing crazy to happen. But I felt real good. I felt good on the second one, too. Okay, we'll get to, we'll get to the second one here because this, this shot, this next one, clearly has been fed by this first shot. <laughs> the, 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 the swagger and the confidence in this second shot, we'll let it play through once. Because you catch here, just a little pop, and you jab, and Kuzma's hips go sideways. And it looked like you gave a little shh right there, right at the end. <laughs> a little, little finger to the lip right there. Just to <laughs> go clean that up. That looks like a little shh. three-point sign, like, because <laughs> the short closeout. Okay, so there's a couple things here that I really want to talk about with you in the confidence level and how much that plays into not just your game, but NBA players in general. We yeah. saw day one first shots in the NBA where there's some delay. There's a little bit of hesitation. There's more two piece. You've worked on it now for a couple months. You've been a part of the rotation. You're more comfortable and you've just hit a shot a few minutes earlier that you clearly had confidence in. So that right. now translates into this. You catch this ball and it's not a, I'm going to look at the rim immediately. It's a, let me check the defense. Let me see what's going on. You're reacting and anticipating and dictating. Sure. Yeah. That's the maturation that I see here. Right. Because you can catch and shoot this. Like, yeah. like KCP's in no man's land. Uh, Kuz is playing underneath Caleb because he's got to worry about him getting the seal here way too deep. And they've got to worry about Dane's pressure. So you've got a nice little pocket to work in and make something happen. So you right, catch like, here and you stutter him. 
I mean, like, this, that he's not gonna. So basically, like you worded it perfectly, like with all that confusion between the Lakers defense, you know, if Kuzma comes hard, that's a drive and either a dunk, kick the end, or a pass to Caleb. But off the quick little rip and jab step, you know, he kind of he got kind of mixed up a little bit on the kinda, side, kind of mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> he got a little bit confused right there. So then I just knew, like, I'm open, shoot it. <laughs> this was probably the most comfortable confident shot I saw you take this season. I, nice. I remember losing my mind when yeah. you went into the step back and I was like, he's feeling it right now. If he's going into step backs off the jab, he's feeling it right now because right. this right here, jab frozen and you raise up and you, again, you knew immediately it was wet. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was one of those things where how much does that confidence feed into not just that night, but kind of going forward? I mean, confidence, to me, I think it's that's probably 90% of, of all of it. I mean, I mean, if you take a player that, you know, don't have no confidence and then you put him in a situation where he, he has confidence, it's, it's two different things. I mean, and that's important, but it also it kind of takes time because it depends, like, where do you get your confidence from? Like, I think when I was younger, I would I was too dependent. I mean, I was and I've always been working out, always worked on my game, but I was too dependent on getting my confidence from coaches or you know the media, so et cetera, et cetera. But I think getting older, like my confidence just came from I know I work out, I know I've put the time in, I know I've been in the gym. So I mean, like if I shoot the ball and I miss, I mean, it, I mean that's just how it goes. I I could say that. I've done the right preparation in order for myself to have a chance at making this shot, but just kind of relying more on that as opposed to like external forces that I can't really control. So that, that internal confidence, that's got to be a, a driving factor behind these changes that we see from November into February. When you're in the gym, obviously before COVID, what specifically, like what are the drills? What are the things that when, when the coaches are pulling you aside for individual work or when you're going in late at night to get some shots up, when you're trying to break down your shot and fine tune those things, what does a night or a practice look like you for your individual session when you're working on this stuff? Uh, for me, I mean, I, I use the, uh, the NOAA ARC system. So basically it's like, it's a, it's a system that we have in our gym that basically gives you like, live time feedback on, you know, the metrics of your shot from depth to arc and to uh, left and right ratio. So shoot the ball and it gives you a, a number instantly on the shot you just did. And then you can go on your laptop and look at all the feedback after your workout. So for me, like, that's just kind of what, that's what I did. Like I wasn't doing, I wouldn't say it was a specific drill, but it was just getting shots up uh, in a multitude of ways, whether it's drifting corner, fill behinds, trails off of off a of screen like so many all these different shots with different movements and then um hearing that feedback and trying to make my numbers more consistent and um over time just doing that doing that making it and getting more comfortable getting used to the three-point line i mean all that going in together coaches watching me knowing that they believe and i can make the shots like teammates believing in it just kind of all feeds into each other and allows you to kind of go out there and play like that now, we were talking before we started recording, because obviously we haven't seen you on the court since, what, March 17th yeah. uh, when the season ended. Or uh, what, we played on the 13th or 14th was yeah, the last game. Yeah. So 
you said that you're even further along now. Yeah. So is that just more of the same, just getting more repetitions, or is is it just some they're more even to that? Um, I mean, today, like uh, I've, I've been working out with Jamal Jamal Gross, one of our one of our new guys. Um, I've been working out with him, and today he was just like, if we had a, if we had a rank coming out of quarantine, you are that easily the most improved player, like just from where we came, like just from where we started after the season ended to now, like. I think I've made huge strides as a player. Like, and even, even Dames, I've, I've had conversations with him and even he's telling me like, bro, like, you, I don't know what you've been doing, but you know, keep up with it. You know what I'm saying? And like, that's like I was saying earlier, like that was my mindset going into the whole, this whole thing, like using it as a time to really lock in and kind of um, separate myself from other people. Okay. Two things. One, thank you for giving me the headline for the podcast. <laughs> two how much does that endorsement from a guy like Damian Lillard mean to you because I've seen him yeah. do the same thing for Ant I've seen him do the same thing for Gary and now he's doing that for you and Dane doesn't give that blessing to just anybody that's I, I've covered him every year he's been here he doesn't just do that to everybody he does that to guys who put the work in and then usually right. and then not usually every single time it's turned out to be true Right, for sure. And I mean, like, all the like all the pass on backs after well performances, like that's cool. But somebody like when you were just working out and you're not expecting or like I don't deserve a pat on the back for working out. Like that's your job. It's my job, literally. And even for myself, like if I want to be good, I know I gotta to work on my game. So I don't really like I'm not gonna say like oh I was expecting it or it makes me feel good because like. That's what I'm supposed to do. Whether he compliments me or not, I'm going to be in the gym regardless. So I think, like, by him just saying that, it, it does it does make you feel better. Like, okay, like, your work is going it's, – it's not going unnoticed. Like, people can actually tell a difference. But, I mean, I take pride in that. Like, when people compliment me on, like, being in the gym, like, that's what – that means the most to me. Like, I remember one day he was like, bro, I, I, every time I come in the gym – you're in the gym. Like he, there's not a lot of times where he comes into our practice facility and I'm not there, if ever. Whether he's leaving or coming in, like I'm, I'm there getting shots up. So like, I think that's one of the biggest ways, like especially earning respect from your teammates. You know what I'm saying? Because they know you're working on your game. They'll definitely trust you to shoot the ball when it, when it comes down to it in game time. The difference between earned and given. Yeah, that's that's kind of what you're saying. You can strive for that as opposed to. You know, just the, the the regular pat on the back. Yeah. Um, we'll take some of this practice stuff, and we're going to kind of push this forward into the bubble in Orlando. The coronavirus, play, don't play, sit out, don't like that kind of stuff. So I want to just kind of give you the platform now to, however you want to you want to phrase this whole situation with going back to basketball. Yeah. What it means the risks you guys are taking, what different players are, aren't doing, what different coaches are, aren't doing the, the impact of what it is. And then we'll kind of go from there. I mean, it's, I mean, there's so many ways that, I mean, I respect everybody's decision, whether you don't want to play because of fear of injury or getting sick, you know, whether it's, you know, family thing, family related things like, Everybody has their own reasons, social injustice, um, all that type of stuff. I respect everybody's decision, and it all makes sense to me. But 
I, I think it makes sense to play as well. Like, I mean, me personally, I feel like playing can give us an even larger platform because with all the stuff that's going on, everybody's going to be tuned into our game. So having having that kind of audience gives us a chance to kind of say something powerful as opposed to not playing and kind of just not necessarily knowing what that's going to accomplish, especially in the short term. I mean, like by not playing, I mean, yeah, it would hurt somebody's pockets, but it kind of, in turn it would hurt our own pockets, you know, especially coming in the future. And as a young, as a young player, I can attest that we, we do not have the money to just afford not to play. Like I'm going to be straight up. Like, if I were to never spend a dollar from my whole rookie year, I wouldn't have enough money to probably sustain myself and the people I take care of for until whenever they can come up to an agreement. So financially, not everybody's in the same, you know, situation. To, and guys make even less than me. So, like, for sure, I know not everybody's in a financial situation to afford not to play for however long until another CBA is agreed upon. So... I mean, I think that I think that's big time. And I think for us playing and using that that time to kind of say something powerful would definitely be impactful. You were talking about the financial implications and one of your teammates, CJ McCollum, is a vice president for the MBPA. And yeah. from all potential voices, I'm not asking you to speak on CJ on for what he says or thinks or believes, but from what I have heard, he has been very active with not only you guys, but around the league in general in very much being very direct and specific about what the ramifications could, would, should, can be if you guys opted not to play and what that would mean for the CBA. Yeah, for sure. Like, and already at this point, we've lost billions of dollars. Um, Not playing would even put us further behind, you know? So, I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, it just depends. Like, what what do we want to be accomplished? I mean, um, even talking to the older guys, they were saying if we got to have a landing pad, we got to have something that if we don't play, you know, what is it that, you know, we're going to land on? Like, what is what is the end goal, you know, as opposed to just for right now not playing? So I think CJ being that voice to just kind of be – and he didn't even really put his opinion in it. He just was saying, like, this is what it is. If we do this, this happens. If we don't do this, this happens. And just having that voice like that was important for everybody to hear. Laying things out and yeah. being like, hey, this is reality. We can talk about things however we want to, but know that if you take this path, this is what it's going to happen. If you take this path, this is what's going to happen. Oh, no, that's it. <laughs> so, so with that, you guys are gearing up. You're leaving here in a couple of days for Florida. And you got what? Three-ish weeks before you get to actually play. Yeah. You, now, with the lead-up, you guys have four guys allowed in the gym at the same time? At this point, it's – eight can be in the facility. But you're running four on the on the, the four different hoops, right? And it's all individual. It's no team stuff. And that's why, for everybody wondering, when you see Thrillblazer social media, uh, all of your dunks are you and a coach. I'm, I'm yeah. assuming you, you basically have one coach per player – because guess what folks the media is not allowed in there yet either <laughs> so that's that's just how it's gonna be until you get down to to florida get down to orlando and then you guys are going to gear back up yeah personally how are you feeling about getting out and 
on the floor and for the basketball side of things, showing how much you've grown and now in a five on five and using that team setting, but also physically, mentally, emotionally with everything that's going on in the world. I mean, you know, from a basketball standpoint, I'm excited because I think, uh, especially with Trevor sitting out like, and uh, Caleb's home again, I mean, that, that that's an opportunity, you know, for me. So it's like, I'm not just thinking like, oh, you know, I'm just going to Orlando. It's going to be whatever. Like, I may be looked upon. Like, I'm not saying I know for sure, but I may be looked upon to play meaningful minutes, you know, and I want to I wanna win too. I want to make the playoffs too. Like, but despite all this bubble stuff, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to win as well. So I, I'm looking more as like, I need to be ready for my team, like, because they're going to need me to play well for us to be successful. So, I mean, that's my mindset going into that. And then in regards to the social, the social stuff, like, man, I'm just also excited to just kind of have people see all of us be together and all of us being consistent with what we're trying to say. And I think it can really help get this point across that we're trying to make. Speaking of making that point, you, Gary Trent Jr., Anthony Simons, Rodney Hood, you guys all participated here in a protest here in Portland. Yeah. What was it like for you? as a young black man who's clearly not from this region to be out there with people who support you in that manner. Yeah, I mean, it meant a lot, you know what I'm saying? And it's inspirational, like even, you know, Rodney Hood, like coming off of, of um, an Achilles injury, just walking, you know, we walked a lot, I don't know how long it was. That ain't an easy thing to do, just walking is a hard thing to do, man. It was, um, it was, it was a long protest and just to see that kind of commitment from him and, you know, Portland don't, Oregon don't got a lot of black people anyway, but there were still thousands of people there, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And there was, there was white people, there was Hispanic people, and just seeing people of all types of, from all over the place to kind of come together for, you know, one important, one important matter. And to understand that when people say black lives matter, we're not diminishing any other, any other life, you know what I'm saying? Like, we just trying to say that we matter too, basically. So I think, for that to be the realization and no have nobody take it any kind of other way than what for what it is and being able to admit that there's problems in this world i mean it was was super big for me now you guys are obviously going to have the ability to put messaging on your jersey if you want to you're going to have the ability to say things before the game in press conferences and post game have you guys as a team talked about what what you may or may not do or what individual messaging you guys might have I I have Black Lives Matter on my jersey. I already that. I put that in today. I got it. So that that's what's gonna be on my jersey. But we Good stuff. there's a there's a variety of uh phrases that we can use. So mm-hmm. you'll see different you'll see different things from on different guys' jerseys. But I mean that's just the one that I wanted to do because that's the one I want to emphasize the most. Uh especially with, you know, collabing with my teammates and have everybody kind of choosing an issue that they wanna address with you know their message on their jersey so you no little on the back just black lives matter a little no little cool um with the protests with social justice issues with black lives matter and everything there one of the things is i'm a mid-30s white dude in portland these aren't things that i can speak on i can only try to elevate your guys's voices to right put a microphone to that stuff and, and let you guys say what you need to say. So with that, want to kind of give you the table here, give you the floor here and kind of 
give your sense of where you are now, what you want to accomplish, how you see that ability to be able to use that platform specifically when you guys are down in Orlando and then kind of going forward. I mean, right here, I, I just want to tell everybody to go out there and vote. You feel me? Like, I just turned 18 two years ago, so I really <laughs> got to, to, to vote for, you know, in regards to the office or the presidency or anything like that. So, I mean, I just want to, like, if everybody that got these problems, they got to go out there and vote. You can't just be talking and, you know, bad-mouthing whoever it is you want to bad-mouth, and then when it comes time for you to have the opportunity to change it, you know, you don't do it because you feel like you don't matter. You know what I'm saying? But everybody got to understand how powerful their voice is because if one person say they don't matter because they're just one person, but then a million people feel the exact same way, then that one that one voice that don't matter turns into a million voices. And that matters for sure. So, I mean, I feel like everybody just got to go vote, vote for what you want to do, for what you want to accomplish. Um and just you know just keep fighting man just don't let this don't let this steam die down like just you know always have something to say there's nothing wrong with saying black lives matter there's nothing wrong with you know saying that there's nothing wrong with disagreeing with somebody that you're friends with like i ran into no. that like, you can respect their decision but at the end of the day if they're doing something that you don't agree with there's nothing wrong with saying that and feeling a different way there's nothing wrong with calling somebody out when they say or do something that's out of pocket. And I think that's the big thing. Like we got to hold each other accountable um, in all different types of fronts. Um, I've had white men text me and say, Nas, like, and I respect this the most, like to say like, Nas, I understand I can't feel exactly what you feel, but like, yo, like, let me know how it is I can help. Cause I get it. Y'all see this, y'all know it's wrong, but white people are kind of on the outside looking in and you don't want to like kind of overstep your bearing. And I understand that. So by having guys text me like, yo, what it is that I can do? Like, I appreciate that the most, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, and and like I say, like you guys have, a, it's, it's coming from someone else, but having white people say black lives matter is coming from someone that's not black. So I feel like it holds more weight. You guys are helping advocate for us. So I think that, all that type of stuff is important. And again, we'll always, uh, well, I say we'll, right now it's my podcast. So I'll <laughs> always advocate for you Appreciate and, and everybody else on the team. And Joe Simons and I have talked about this already. Uh, we were talking about it earlier today. When we're covering your guys' games, when, when things start back up, Joe and I will highlight anything and everything you guys say before the game, after the game, whatever it is. We're, we personally aren't going to, ignore it or, or let it not be a part of the story because it's what matters. Sure. Listen, I, I, yeah. I'm a hoop junkie, but basketball is going to be there. Yeah. Somebody getting snatched up for being black. That's, that's a different, that's yeah. a different level, man. Like, so if we can speak on those things or give voice to those things that you guys are talking about, that's what we're going to do. So um, Never feel like you ever have to hold back when it comes to at least Joe and I. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Now, we got you, man. Um, you've got eight games, and I'm not going to put you on on on, uh, on trial here. for That schedule didn't, didn't do you guys any favors. No. Um, it's a bummer you guys didn't get the, the two chances at Memphis that you guys had left because I thought that was going to kind of be – the, the balance here that was going to tip the scales. But you guys do have the tiebreakers by playing more games already during the regular season. Yeah. When you look at this, 
these eight games. You've got obviously Memphis holds the ticket right now, but there's a chance for somebody else to challenge them for that playing spot. And it's between you, New Orleans, and Sacramento. When you look at how things are going right now and how you feel and how the team is going, how important is it to just hit the ground, not build up towards stuff, but to hit the ground running? And how do you guys get to that spot? We ain't got no time to build up. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, even when, during the season, like, at first, we kind of got to a bad start, especially when we lost Zach. Then it kind of started spiraling uh, downhill. But then it was always, you know, it's a long season. It's a long season. And then January hit. <laughs> a lot, we got a lot left. And then February, the all-star break hit. And it's like, okay, like, you know, we got to, you know, it's either do or die. Then March hit. And at this point, it's like, yo, we it's straight up. Like, we got to win X amount of games and to, if we want to do what we want to do. And then Corona hit, and now we kind of had this, quote, unquote, second chance. So, mm-hmm. we I, like, I, like I said, we don't got no time to build up, man. It's either do or die, like, out the gate. So, I mean, everybody individually got to do their part to make sure that they ready. Um, and then we're going to go down there, have those few weeks of uh, training camp, we got to be on it. We it's no time for for nothing extra. We just got to be on it. We got to be ready to perform at a high level at the gate. Everybody got this. Nobody's been playing. Nobody. We've all been out. So, you know, the upper edge. You know, it doesn't matter at this point. It's just who wants it more. Who's gonna play better? Who's gonna work as a team? Who's gonna ignore all this other stuff and just try to um, do what we got to do in order to achieve what we want to achieve. Okay, so what's going to be the weirdest part of this for you? The playing at Disney, living at Disney, or the no fans? So I'm, a, I'm a Florida kid, so every kid in Florida has played at Disney. <laughs> oh, that's right. I, I forgot you and obviously if yeah, you guys I, get down I played, there. I played Wild World of Sports multiple times. So um, that that's so you and, you and Ann got the home court. Yeah, we got home court advantage. I, I, did you see Austin Rivers' tweet when he said, I have the most buckets – <laughs> Austin Rivers definitely has the most Disney sport points in the entire NBA for a fact. I don't even have to check it for a fact. Was he was he a Clearwater guy? He went to um Winter Park. Okay. So yeah, he he definitely yeah he has the he has the most uh, advantage <laughs> on that front. But I have an advantage as well. I kind of know the ropes. Um, living there is going to be a little bit. I think more the confinement as opposed to just being there for a month, it's going to be the confinement and not being able to see my family. I'm going to be in my own city, can't see my family at all. I think that's going to be the weird part about it. Now, is this your first first time away from the family, like really, truly away? Yeah, I mean, yeah, basically, like in Portland. It's all the way out here. North Carolina was, was, was pretty far, but seven hours, they was able to drive up there and see me every now and again, but, you know, this is you know, the longest I've really been without seeing them. This is – the way I've tried to tell people is this is a really, 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 really nice military deployment. No, like, for sure. Like really? you guys you guys have certain amenities that uh, we weren't afforded. <laughs> but a lot of the restrictions are the same. There yeah. will be um, – uh, how do I put this? Limited fraternization. All right. Um, the the one thing you, the upper hand you guys have is that well you can't drink anyways. You guys you guys have I have 
access to being able to have booze anyways. And I, I know Ant just turned 21, so he can. Uh, but it, a lot of the things that young single dudes like to go do won't be available. Right. Um, so with that said, are you playing more 2K or more Madden? I'm playing more 2K. Okay. I already been on my quarantine. Already kind of put me on my 2K grind. I mean, early on, I tried to play. I was really bad. I didn't understand the nuances of it, but now I'm tough. So when I okay, you you better be above what I saw Hassan do. Uh, I'll play. uh, (laughs) I'll play quick match. I play uh, my player. Okay. Okay. What 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 system you on? I'm on PlayStation. Damn PlayStation. Yeah, PlayStation where it's sad, man. I mean, you can literally see the Xbox right here. You could have got maybe... Xbox too, but mine oh, might as well be a paperweight, bro. I don't get touched. <sighs> this is so sad. Now, a <laughs> l- little bit of fun here. You guys are obviously your, your teammate, Damian Lillard, is a cover athlete for 2K, and 2K has already said they're going to come out and give you guys some, some early access. Same with Madden. Right. L- little bit of perks of being there. And then I also heard that Disney and Marvel – are going to give you guys some of the Marvel movies ahead of time, too. It, there, there any other perks out there that we're not really hearing about? You plugged in. I've never heard about. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, going out there, and I'm going to see. I, I'm just taking it for what it is. I'm like, you know, I'm going to go out there and take it day by day. <laughs> Do you think anything about this for you personally is going to be – really difficult to overcome like is it going to be a shock to your system is it going to be something that's going to maybe throw you off a little bit and take those couple of weeks to get used to or is it just kind of like i just got to go i'm i'm gonna miss my girlfriend man <laughs> i'm gonna be straight up i'm gonna I'm a lover boy i'm gonna miss her man. I'm hey man be- trust me I, I, I get it i've been deployed <laughs> i know what it's like to be ten thousand miles away she stayed with me so like you know it's gonna be a little bit different at first like but and then, a lot of FaceTime. Yeah, a lot of FaceTime. But yeah, that's gonna be the hardest part. Like no cuddles, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I can't get too sappy on here, but hey man, hey, listen, it's it's it, it's, it's, it's an open that's, environment. This is it's that's like at least 40 days without your significant other. That's long, man. Like so mm-hmm. some people even got kids. I think that might be even worse. So like, yeah, and that's I, I think that part of it does suck because I, I put a tweet out there that, that pissed some people off a couple weeks ago. Like I was where I said, basically, I don't want to hear like how bad it's really going to be. It's, this is going to sound really callous, but most teams are going to go home within a couple weeks. Yeah. That's, that's the reality of it. So we're not talking about everybody being away from their family for a very long period of time, but if you make it deep in the playoffs, yeah, that's, that's where the three, four, three and a half months comes in. The deeper you go in. Otherwise it ends up being like you said, 30 40 days right when it's when you get around or so maybe in. like it could like people like it could be worse you know what i'm saying like so we i'm like at the end of the day it's like we got a job to do got bills to pay for this moment with the way the, the way the world is this is what we got to do to mm-hmm. get to take care of who we got to take care of like that's that's my mindset like and you know my girlfriend understand that like this is how i eat this is how i pay the bills like so i just got to do this and it's you know hopefully we go as far as we go but either way this is what we i got to do to take care of you know everything i need to take care of so 
she understands that my, my parents understand that. So that's why, that's what I think kind of gives you that, that, that peace of mind to just kind of be like, all right, I'm going to just throw this out. I mean, honestly, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't good to hear you say that yeah. because I've, I've heard through some other channels, some other players that have said some things about not feeling comfortable being there. And we're not talking about the Corona stuff. We're talking about the, uh, the amenities not being as much as they would, because let's be honest, you, you guys travel well. Travel well, eat well, sleep well, all yeah. that. But I'm young. I mean, it, it, <laughs> as an NBA player, you get accustomed to a certain mm-hmm. lifestyle. Like, it's yep. just you stay five-star hotels. You get to eat five-star meals. You fly in a jet. Like, it's, it's all this stuff that, and especially guys that have been there the whole, you know, for like 10 years, even in five years, like, you get accustomed to that type of stuff. So... But me, like, literally a year ago, like, I was staying in... You're still doing college chow halls. Yeah, like, I'm staying in a dorm room. <laughs> either if we playing in another city, we staying in the, the college hotel, whatever, you know, because every college got, like, a hotel for the most part. So we just staying in the random college hotel. So I'm kind of like, well, it's whatever. If we got a bed... This is still an upgrade. Yeah, like if they got a bed and a TV, I'm straight. And even two years before that, we were sleeping two or three to a bed on the floor in the AU. Like, so I'm, I'm still kind of like it's whatever. You know what I'm saying? I don't really trip off of stuff like that. I, I'm gonna be straight. Oh, good. Um, we'll kind of tie this last part up, final minutes here with the rest of the listener questions. And my former co-host, uh, Tara Bone Biggs, Team Mom, always with a, a good question. What is a piece of advice you have been given that sticks with you and who gave it to you? It's mm. tough. I mean, I don't want to say it because, like, he just told me this, like, three days ago. So I don't know if that Trump. Hey, man, if, if it's good, it's good. But I was, so me and Dane, like, I had a good conversation with Dane. And, like, he just, he literally was like, uh, I was, we were just talking to him. I was talking, he was talking about confidence and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then he was just saying, like, he was like, it the stuff that you stress about, it won't matter in 10 years from now. Like, so I was basically like, yo, like, I'll be worried about missing, right? He'd be like, bro, like, in 10 years, nobody, he was basically like, nobody's going to know if you miss 10 threes in a game 10 years from, like, it won't even exists basically like it's just kind of like it'll be in your head and nobody it's not as deep as you think it is so I mean I think that was big and I just kind of ever since then I've just been like it's kind of brought me a lot of peace and going into this whole stretch that's gonna be my mindset going in like just I'm gonna shoot if I'm open if I miss so be it you know what I'm saying but before that I mean I've, I've gotten a lot of gems man just um, just, just most things applying just to working hard. I mean, really, you know, if you just stack up a brick day by day, you'll eventually have a house. So, I mean, you know, my pops taught me that. So that that's just one of the things that I, I kind of look at, especially when things ain't going the way you want them to. Just if you stop working out, things definitely it's not it's definitely not going to get better if you stop working. So either way, just kind of just keep trying to stack brick by brick, even if you don't see that improvement when you want to. It's definitely there. So you mentioned your pops and you've mentioned your, your parents uh, quite a few times here. Yeah. And you got to do something recently for them that's, that was pretty damn cool. And I think most guys in the league 
this is something you envision doing something along these lines and, and working towards that. So I'll let you say what, what you got to do for them. Yeah, I got them uh, the new Audi Q8. Um, got it, got it for him on Father's Day. And uh, personally, that was one of the biggest, uh, if not the biggest, but biggest moments of my life, just being able to do that for my parents. Uh, you know, and, I, and I've, been, I've been taking care of them and make sure they're all good with what they need to be have taken care of. But uh, that was just super big, man. My, you know, they was dry. I remember in high school, um, I had moved back to Orlando and my parents were in Jacksonville. So getting around was really hard for me. Like I was, coach had to drive me everywhere. I had to catch rides with people like, and then one day they came to one of my games and then, you know, they just basically gave me the keys to their car. They let me have the car while I was down there. And that made my life so much better, so much easier out there. And I mean, it just meant the world to me, man. So to kind of have things going back full circle and you get them a brand new car, it just was, it was really cool, man. And uh, they really needed it. Uh, one of the cars was starting to get old and breaking down and stuff like that. So uh, it was exciting for me to do that for them. As as every true military family has, they have the one car that's always breaking down. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's just the reality. For anybody who doesn't know, if you're in the military and you've been in for any period of time, you have one car that is always about to break down, and it's usually right before you got to leave for deployment. Yeah, literally. Man. <laughs> so, did he have any idea that it was coming? Yeah, no idea. Oh, so you just you just dropped it on him with with the hey, ribbon on the car. My sister. Uh, basically just take them out over there. Like they didn't know where they was going and they pulled up and it's like, why are we at the Audi dealership? And then sister called me. I was like, Hey, uh, Oh, you guys, have, I was just like, Hey, uh, by the way, you guys have a car there. And they're like, what? <laughs> they didn't know what I was like. What do you mean? I was like, see that black car right there. That's yours. And then they were just, they didn't know what they were just like, they didn't know what the heck to say, man. They were just <laughs> like, mouths open just looking at me like, no, you did not just do this. Like, so they was really excited, man. Uh, I just like to post it because I know growing up, like I would see, I would see guys buy their parents a car or house, and that yeah. that inspired me to the max. Like, so I like to do that and have kids look at that and be like, "Wow, I want to get my parents a car or a house, whatever the case may be." I mean, even before social media, we heard stories about this stuff when I was younger about players doing this kind of stuff. You know, you you'd hear about it like once a month in a Sports Illustrated or something like that. Like you would hear or a M NBA on NBC kind of deal, like leading up to the game, the pregame, they would talk about, oh, so-and-so did this for their parents. And there's, I mean, it's well documented. The sacrifice and the work and everything that goes into developing a, a, a young man or even a young woman in WBA into a professional player and the sacrifice and the travel and the hours and everything that goes along with that. I think that's a motivating factor. I mean, it has to be for you guys. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not your parents, maybe it's uh, your guardian or your coach or whoever it is that is like that, that person for you in your life. And so I love hearing these stories, man. These, these, these are the coolest things I ever hear. Nobody can do it alone. That's the only thing I've said. Like it may not always be, person may not be consistent amongst every player. It may not be everybody's parents or mm -hmm. everybody's coach, but it's always somebody. Like, nobody just gets to the league on their own, man. And even no matter if, how much they may try to tell you. Even if they don't even – they may not even recognize who the person was that got them there or mm -hmm. helped them get there, but nobody can do it on their own, man. So that's one thing I will say. So I appreciate my parents. Shouts out to them for that. 
and I hope they enjoy that car. Well, that's cool, man. We've got a couple more questions to get through, and we'll get you out of here. Uh, this is from Andrick Team 24 What has been one thing you didn't know about the NBA that you actually like and one thing that you don't like? Uh, one thing I didn't know is that we get per diem. So basically, uh, every road trip, they give you a few hundred bucks to eat, to eat uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. And so that's a great plus for me. <laughs> My meals be about $10, really. So You're still you, on that college meal plan. Yeah, they give you 170 bucks per day, and it's just for food. So if my meals cost 10 bucks or 15 bucks. I still got over 100 dollars I can take home. So I love it. <laughs> What's been the one thing that you don't like? Uh, uh, I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> I saw those eyebrows go. <laughs> I'm trying. It's it's a couple of things I don't like. Um. It's just like I th- I say like the traveling like I mean it's cool to travel but it's like it, it gets to a point where like oh I know I hate I hate packing like <laughs> I hate packing clothes so like the worst thing is the ten day road trips for me. Well, you guys were on that monster where you were gone on the East Coast. It was like what sixteen days this year? Yeah, it was long. It was yeah, long. that that thing was. Yeah, I mean, even for us in the studio, yeah, we were talking about it like, God, that's brutal. That the ten day <laughs> road trips, or the five or six game road trips, like those are the worst. Like, I, it's that's tough. I'm not gonna throw any names out there, but I heard from not only Blazers players but from other players this year that more veteran players would prefer to go back to some of the older schedule types where there was more back to backs to eliminate those real long travels which side do you do you fall on there i i mean i had to play like 48 minutes so i don't i don't know but i could assume that if i were to play 48 minutes i would still rather do a back-to-back than a 10-day road trip i'd be on those long long road trips i'd rather do a back-to-back for a whole consecutive month (laughs) a week so i'd rather have one back-to-back per week for a whole month than do a 10-day road trip. Like, it, it's that deep. It's bad. It no, it's dr- <laughs> You start running out of clothes. Like, <laughs> you don't want to fold them for the way back. you like, bro, it's just bad. You start running out of toothpaste and stuff. It just, it, just gets, it just gets messy. Like, Did you have to carry any rookie bags this year? Yeah. <laughs> Who, <think> <laughs> <laughs> who's got the biggest bag? Biggest bag. Who who is the when you see him and you like you know you gotta carry it. Who's the one you dread carrying? Oh, Carmelo. <laughs> and like his bag is not because necessarily it's big, but it's heavy. You know, because they uh they'll they'll drink wine on the plane. They, so they bring in their wine, right? It's like a wine case, and that <laughs> that junk is heavy. And like I already have my own stuff. And I have like this pink mini bag, so it's not. That's your snack bag, right? It's not suitable for anything that you need it for. It doesn't fit anything in it, really. So like, I could maybe fit a, a head, some headphones, and like, a <laughs> and that's it. I can't use it for anything. It's so there I, for I, visual purposes. Exactly. It's not practical in any sense of the word. So 
I can't put none of my stuff in there. I just have to carry a whole nother bag for myself. <laughs> then on top of that, I got that wrapped around. Then I got to carry like, it's just, and then we walking down the plane and the, it's, the stairs be steep. The sleep, mm-hmm. scam they're, they're not made for NBA athletes. <laughs> At all. <laughs> so that, it gets tricky. That part definitely is tough, but I, I figured it out. I figured it out. So I made it through. All right, this is from uh, Tom Tom Saronsky or Aseronsky. I'm sorry, I'm butchering it. Like, there's, there's no spaces in your in your at, so I don't know. How do you feel about being the goat as a rookie? The goat? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a goat. That, that that term can't be thrown around too too loosely. I that goat word is, is very exclusive, but I appreciate the kind words, man. I'll take that as. <laughs> I appreciate that. That was followed up by Trevin R., who said this is an important question. So you, you, you've got some endorsements there. Um, this from Christian. Was there a lot of pressure being compared to Zion and then falling in the draft? And what has made the on-court experience in the NBA different from your time at North Carolina? Uh, for me, there, there were, I wouldn't say there was pressure because I'm going to be straight up. Like, Zion was, like, too – bro, he was so – like coming, especially coming into the draft, like he was so high up, there was no comparing between anybody. I mean, if anybody, you could say John Morant, but even then, they are two different, two totally different guys. And Zion was just kind of in his realm of his own, his own world. So I didn't feel any kind of pressure with him specifically. Like, is it me or him? It was clear cut who was going number one. You know what I'm saying? Like. And this is being straight up. I didn't feel like I was competing with nobody. And in regards to the draft, honestly speaking, like, I was glad to get drafted, like, especially especially first round. Like, and, and like, growing up, I never – before all this political stuff, I never considered first, second round. All I knew was NBA. And then I got older. Then I knew draft. I didn't have no distinguishing, you know, image between a first rounder or a second rounder. You know what I'm saying? It just was all the time getting walking across the stage, shaking the commissioner's hand. And then when I did it, it was like, oh, well, this is one dream that came true. And that's all it was for me. So when you're sitting there on that night, and I'll, I'll be honest, when we did all of our draft preview stuff, I think we did one on you that was about, you know, this big. Because we didn't think there was any chance that Portland would be in a position to, to pick you. Because yeah. everybody I had talked to, at absolute worst, had you just barely outside the lottery. I think at 17, 18, I think was the highest that I ever saw you mocked uh, right. or, or guys that I talked to. When I look at your experience, I liken it a little bit to Aaron Rodgers with the Packers when, you know, Alex Smith goes first and then he's in that green room by himself yeah. later on. When you're sitting there in that situation where you're projected to go a lot higher and you get that phone call. Who, let me get, let me ask you this: Who was it who called you? Was it Neil? Yeah. When you're sitting there waiting for that call, and you're with your management staff and your family and stuff like that, what was that dynamic like when you're maybe not going when you thought you were, but you end up getting that call from Portland? I mean, the dynamic it definitely was it was different because you know you're coming in there with a certain expectation, and it and it don't happen, but you just can't. Me specifically, you can't lose light of what just happened. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's so easy to say, but you could have did X, Y, Z. Like, I could still be in college. (laughs) And this is just straight up. Like, 
or better yet, like I could be anywhere. Like, I could be flipping burgers. Like, it's just like you can't just because you didn't get exactly what you wanted, just have that destroy the whole circumstance. And I think like even my parents was kind of upset. My agent was upset. My trainer was upset. I'm looking at everybody like five, four years ago, I the NBA wasn't even a feasible reality for me. So y'all, for y'all to have this attitude ain't fair to me right now. So, I mean, once I kind of like broke it down like that, like everybody mindset changed and like- yeah, kind of got on that same wave. I was like, yo, like at the, end, the one thing I take pride in, this happens my whole life, but I've always been ranked low. They had to surge up or- Yeah, cause you were, you were number five coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. In high school. And I was six and then composite, I was three coming out of high school. So it's always been this, start at the bottom and work your way up. And that's how I, that's how I like it because it's hard to stay hot because everybody is always a new thing. What's new, what's new to be on top of the game for your whole stretch is tough. So like me, like working up from the bottom, I don't, I have no problem with that. So and I always like getting the last laugh. So like in however many years and I'm an all-star signing the max, like, you know, everybody's going to be looking at me crazy and I'm gonna just, <laughs> it's going to be the same story. And we, we've gone almost this, this entire podcast without mentioning this man's name, which is kind of a record for me. <laughs> How much are you looking forward to catching lobs from Nurk? Nurk. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it, you know, because, you know, I, I've, I've played with Nurk a little bit before. and You guys got to, you guys got to scrimmage a little bit before he had the, the calf issue, right? Yeah, and then, yeah, because he, cause he had been – he had been able to work out, you know, in, in previous months. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we did like a, we did like some little game, some little scrimmage game. And the way I played, like the way I moved without the ball, it just kind of like, you know what I'm saying? We, 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 we play well together. I mean, me personally speaking, like. Nurk likes good back cutters. Exactly. And me, like, I would just hit you a quick and I'm gone. And then at that point, like, I'm going to finish the play. You know what I'm saying? So. I think he likes that. I think he likes playing with somebody that cuts and knows how to look for the ball. And me, I had to get used to it because he throws stuff that, like, I wouldn't expect. Better be ready. <laughs> so I, I've, I've gotten accustomed to being ready for the ball. Okay. Cut. If you want some preparation, have, have you ever watched any Sabonis State? I have, actually. Because Nurk very much reminds me. It's, it's not quite that level, but, I mean, let's be honest. Sabonis is one of the three greatest passing big men of all time. Okay. So if Nurk's even approaching that, we're doing good. Right. But Nurk changes some angles, does little drops, the little little rap passes. Oh, yeah. He, he likes those little raps. He got all those in his bag. All that. Now, have you, have you been in the gym over the last couple of weeks at the same time as Nurk? Yeah, we have the same workout block. Okay, that's what I was wondering. That, that, that's perfect. How much truth is it is there to, to this new new shot of his? Because before the season got shut down, it was I believe it was the last game before the season got shut down. He went yeah because he went out there in his uniform, mm-hmm. and a lot like your jump shot, it looks like he quieted any of the the little tweaks here or there that were that was in his jump shots. A lot more simple, a lot more compact, a lot more fluid. And I saw him taking a lot of threes, and I was like, huh, I wonder if he's just messing around, if that's something he's really working on. Like, when you see him in the gym, is this, like, something that guys are really confident that he can hit now? It looks good. <laughs> you know that. Was a, I, honestly, I didn't even know it was in question. I, I, like, I'd be watching him work out. I mean, it's 
if you were if you were to shoot five threes in the game, I would even blink twice. Like I'd just be like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. like you said, like he's put the time in. I see him every day working on this. So like, why would he not shoot him? You know, well, he fooled me last year. Last year he said he was gonna take a three a game, and I was like, you know what? Okay, Dirk. Stotts is gonna give you that green light, get a feed into it. He took like I think he took three in the first three games, and I was like, okay. Okay, maybe he's going to do this. Then he didn't shoot a damn thing again. He shot like three more the rest of the year. I'm like, come on, big fella. Nah, he, I, think, I think he'll definitely get more up, especially going into his restart. I mean, answer this for me. If there was ever a time where you're going to maybe go outside the box and try some things, is this not the most opportune time? It is. I mean, I, I know you guys want to work towards it winning, but. It's like, it depends because if we, it depends, like. Everybody got to play within themselves during this stretch because we don't got time to be trying to try new stuff. So I don't know. But at the same time, you also kind of have to go with what may or may not work at a time. And let's say Nurk goes three of four and a half and he's just kind of feeling himself. Exactly. Like we've also had this time where everybody's been putting all this work in. It's kind of like display it. You know what I'm saying? To the best it's, of your that's, that's, to me, going to be the, one of the most interesting things is, number one, how, how Terry uses you guys in the lineup and, and how that kind of works out without, without Trevor out there and with Zach and, and Nurk coming back and obviously without Caleb. And then what those lineups look like and how the blending of, obviously, you haven't been a, in a game with Nurk, mm-hmm. uh, how Zach maybe works at the five with – smaller guys at the three at the one two and three like if it goes a real real small three guard lineup like if that's something that works like and this kind of feeds into the next question i've got for you this is from josh Sargent. do you see yourself and i and i don't want to pigeonhole you here but this is a question that i think a lot of people ask because the the ambiguity of the nba do you see yourself as more of a three or a four uh i think it's it's just position so like it's not like a number like you said like Mm-hmm. It's because you got guards, wings, slash forwards, and then you got, you got guards, wings, and forwards. So basically it's like you got the guys who dribble the ball up, then you got guys who are filling the lanes on the wing, and then you have guys that are either inside slash outside presence. So basically, like, it depends on what you guard. Like, in regards to, like, the the traditional three or four, it depends on who you're guarding. So, like, I feel more comfortable guarding a three because I'm like six five, six six. Like if I got a six nine power forward, do I feel the most comfortable guarding him? Especially like in the post, not really, but on the wing, I feel like that's more of my strong suit on regards to perimeter defense. And I think that's the confusion. Like people think of offensive skill set as what position you are, and that's not. That's not what positions are for. It's really for defensive matchups. So, like, the one guard's the point guard, two guards shooting guard, three guards, and so on and so forth. So, for me, like, I mean, I'm whatever. Like, whoever I'm matching up with, like, I think I can do both. I mean, I don't know how well to answer the question, but I think well, – I, can- I mean, I, I, that's honestly the answer that I expected. That's why I said I don't want to pigeonhole you here because – I can do that's- both. <laughs> That's kind of how the league is now. But you did say something interesting there. You, even though you, 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 I feel like you're comfortable defending both. I, when, I, when I see you on, a, on a, a typical four, whether it be a stretch on the perimeter or somebody who operates maybe a little bit more pinch post, mid post, you, you don't 
give up ground in the post. Yeah. Like you're strong enough in, in the lower body to be able to handle that stuff. But you did say you're more comfortable on the perimeter. Is that just yeah. that that allows you to kind of be more aggressive, jump those passing lanes, not necessarily have to be the the secondary defender, I guess. Exactly. Like and even like, and even being a secondary defender, like coming in on the outside, like that's cool, but in regards to like defensive principles, it would be more ideal for somebody taller. Like, and I'm athletic, so I think like it kind of makes up for that that undersized gap, like of being a little bit smaller. Like I'm athletic and strong, so there's a little bit more ground that I can kind of make up on that front. But realistically, I think I'm more comfortable on the wing. All right, we're gonna end this one. Uh, we'll wrap this one up on on this question. I know this is a, a lot of you young guys have had, had a lot to say about him. What has been your thoughts on having Carmelo Anthony as a teammate, as a man, as a role model, and what has it meant like to have a no BS Hall of Famer? Yeah, I mean, Dame is on that path. Let's 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 be honest. But Melo's there. When he retires, his ballots, his name's going on the ballot, and he's going to get in the, his his first chance. That's there's right. that's done. So, what has that been like for you? Who I mean, you legitimately grew up watching him, right? Like you said, like. One of the, like, it's just crazy because I, I if you would have, I would have never guessed I would have been able to play with Carmelo Anthony ever in my life. Let, let's be honest. Nobody here did either. Like, it's, <laughs> just, it's just crazy, man. And, you know, and like, not, it's not just a guy that was in the league when I was growing up, but like a guy I was a huge fan of growing up. Like one of my favorite players growing up. You know what I'm saying? Like a guy that I would watch and then go into my workouts and tell my trainer, like, yo, like, Let's work on some car. Like, you know, it, and it's, it's just crazy. Like, Did you work uh, on the mellow footwork? Yeah. Like, I remember at one point, because in high school, like, I remember at one point I was so good in the mid-post. Like, they were even giving me, like, certain comparisons to him with how, like, we were able to just, like, the jab steps and the turnaround jump shots and all that type of stuff. Like, I had a lot of that stuff in my game. So, like, to be able to talk to him. And I'm not, like, a prideful kind of kid. I'm not sh shy or quiet. Like, I'm gonna ask questions, you know, mm -hmm. and I like to I like to talk to other people, see how see how their brain works, how they see things. And Melo's a guy that, especially like where he's at in the league, he loves to you know pay that information forward. Like he's not he don't hold his car super close to his chest where he don't want to talk to nobody. Like he's super super chill, super easy to talk to. And he's not worried about the young guy taking his spot. Yeah, like, yeah, like, and that's what happens on these young teams where, like, there may be a guy a couple years older, but they kind of still not established all the way, and they don't want you to take all their all the knowledge they got and use it against them and then become better than them and take their spot and so on and so forth. But on our team, there's not really a lot of that. So being able to talk to him and just him openly, like, give me game like yo this is what I see this is what I do and show me things and watch me do them and then critique me after I do it and tell me you could have did this did that and uh, all that type of stuff man that's been that's been great great person for to have um in the locker room for me to talk to all right man well uh, that kind of wraps up the listener questions thank you to everybody who submitted them if you didn't hear me read yours off there's a 99 percent chance that you asked something that somebody else did so just insert your name where I said their name okay Listen, I get it. Everyone wants to know if Nas is working on his three ball. That's what we focus on, the three ball. All right? right? Like, I want to know. Like, yeah. um, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate you. Um, yeah. We did have one question about your hair, though. I, I guess I could, I could ask you. Why did you cut your hair? 
Why? Simply put, I wanted to play. It's no, it was no uh, big thing or nothing. It's just I wanted to cut it. To be honest, man, I don't know how y'all do it. Like, I, honestly, I mean, if if I had, and now the reason why I wanted to cut it was, I mean, it just is, should just, you know, it's all, it's in a way a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, especially for me, like the way it was, oh, another thing, <laughs> it would tickle my neck. <laughs> and anybody know me, I don't do bugs. So, like, I'll be outside and I'm like. How the hell did you make it out of Florida? Exactly. Florida, <laughs> like, that's the thing, though. Like, we all, a lot of people in Florida, like, that's. We, we a lot of us have that kind of hairstyle, but it just was like it just here. I don't know. Portland's is different. I, I didn't know it was out here in Portland. So if it's crawling on me, it might be something I don't know about. <laughs> in Florida, I knew it couldn't have been nothing too crazy. Portland, it's too many trees out here. Too many, too many trees. Too many different bugs. Yeah, I don't even know what Portland's capable of. So. <laughs> Hey, man, listen, it's not Australia. Not everything here kills you. It's only like a couple things. We, we don't do really do snakes. We got, we got some snakes in eastern Oregon, out in the desert. But, like, Portland, nah, you're fine. Here. Like, I don't even know. Uh, we, we, do have, we do have black widows and brown recluse spiders. Like, those – they, they, do, they do some damage. But I don't want to do that. Man. Other than that, you're safe. Don't worry, man. Just, just don't touch the spiders. Or, or kill them all. Like, I don't care. I don't – Give me itch right now, man. <laughs> I don't like that. Oh man! Again, Nas, thanks for coming on, man. Love having you on. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you back on anytime you want to come on. Just and we'll highlight all the things that you've done, that you continue to do, the human being that you are. Um, we appreciate it genuinely. Like uh, it, it, it's, and I think guys like you get endeared to Portland by fans very, very quickly because of who you are and how you work and how much work you put in. And, I mean, you, you talk to any of the vets that have been here for a, a couple years, not just on this team now, but in the past. Like, you you can go down as one of the favorite players of, like, Gerald Wallace is only here for a couple years, and people right. talk about him forever. Andre Miller was only here for a couple years. And, dudes, and the flip side is, Raymond Felton was here for a year, and he is never coming back. <laughs> it is eight years later, and that man is still getting booed when he comes in this building. Damn. <laughs> oh, no, I don't want to be remembered like that. I ain't trying to go out like that. It is the thing. Like I said, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, love having you. Good luck. And if there's anything, again, we can do to help elevate your voice when it comes to social justice and stuff like that, you know, at least Joe and I are always a phone call away, man. We'll always take care of you guys in that regard. Uh, always support you guys. Um, any parting words you want to say before you go? Anything you got to plug? Anything along those lines? I just want to say, get ready, man. I was <laughs> to get ready too. So, because um, we we got to we got to go for it, we got to shoot for it. So, just be ready. Don't be surprised either. So that's all I gotta say. All right, guys. If you want to follow Nasir Little on Twitter, it's two easy underscore Nazi. It's two the letters easy underscore N A S S I E. Carolina Tar Heel, Portland Trailblazer, all around good dude. Stay ready. Uh, you like that? <laughs> All right. We'll uh we'll get you out of here on that, buddy. I appreciate you coming in. Good luck down in Orlando. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, man. Appreciate you.